All right, I want to uh, tell you a little bit uh, again here about my past, and for some reason I'm in storytelling mode these days. Um, so I'm going to back up to my first year of college. Um, and this is me coming out of high school and um, thinking that I was going to go into ministry full time and follow in my dad's footsteps. Not as a pastor, I said no to that and look how that turned out. And then um, I said yes to, to missions and that's why I was going to Bible college and uh, was going in expecting that this was going to be a tremendous year of me connecting with God and learning from God all about missions and, and what he has in store for me, and um, it ended up being a year that I did not expect, a completely different year than what I expected. Um, I had a reputation coming in, not one that I had created, because I was a quiet, invisible, actually depressed young man at that point in life, and I had created no reputation of my own. I was coming in on my dad's reputation. Uh, My dad had gone to that college, and now the guys who were with my dad at college as his classmates were now running this school. And so I had my dad's reputation to follow. And um, there was a fair amount of mischief involved, um, which I will not get into this morning because he might listen to this. So I'm not going to throw him under the bus. Um, he, was, he and his classmates were known for some pretty impressive pranks. Um, well, as it turned out, the, the floor in the dorm that I was placed on um, also became known for some pretty impressive pranks, which I was not a part of. And I'm not just defending myself here this morning. That's the reality. Um, I remained invisible and depressed at that year during that year of college. And so I wasn't involved in the things that my classmates were involved in, especially the guys on my floor in the dorm that we lived in. And they had a habit of wrecking things um, like <clears throat> taking a trash can and filling it about two-thirds of the way full of water and then tilting it, propping it up against someone's door so that when they opened the door, um, they flooded rooms, they did all kinds of things. Um, they locked people in their rooms for half a day. I mean, there were just crazy things that happened. And so because of that, my floor got in trouble and I was guilty by association only. And so for the entire second semester, our floor was put on social probation, which meant that we were grounded for the whole second semester. Weekends, we weren't allowed to go out. Um, There was was nothing. We had no life other than to stay in the dorm, um, which caused just an exponential increase in the number of pranks that were pulled off and, and all that kind of stuff. But one of the things that happened there is that we had an awful lot of time as a, as a group of young men who were not very bright um, to sit and talk and solve the world's problems. And, um, and I will never forget that conversation that I just sat there stunned, but here's our, a whole group of, of students from this floor. And the conversation went this way. As they talked about words... They came to the conclusion, words are just words. They're just words. They don't have any real consequence. They're just words. And so this group of young men decided that in light of that, anything goes. You can say anything you want. And the the language on my floor during that time got atrocious absolutely horrendous. And I was exposed to that constantly, all day, every day. 
of swear words being thrown around all over the dorm, all during our time that we were grounded in there, um, because they had decided that they're just words. Who cares? Now, uh, what I'm not going to do this morning is I'm, I'm not going to preach a sermon on swearing. That's not what we're going to talk about. But we are going to talk about words, because they're not just words. This morning, we are going to consider the value and the power of our words, and hopefully God's going to speak to us through the things that we look into here. Now, last Sunday, we looked at the question of whether we are here to create an image for ourselves or to bear the image of the one who created us. Our reality as humans is that we were created by God in his image, This is a huge encouragement for me because no matter how great an image I could create for myself, it will always fall short. It will always let me down. What people see in the image that I create for myself is nothing compared to the image in which I was created. I have the opportunity to reflect that image with my life. And the end result is people being impressed with God in me, not with me. They see God. They see the image in which I was created. Um, We're learning these days what it means to move this generation from culture to kingdom. The question of our image or image bearer is a great example of how this happens. Our culture pressures us to create an image that will impress people. The kingdom shows us that we do indeed have an image, but it's not our own. And that image, the image of God, is what the world needs to see. Many, many people will be drawn to God by encountering his image in the people that he's created, the people who understand that they are not, we are not what people need, God is. You and your life are a reflection of God's image, a source of hope for the people around you. So remember to pray that God's spirit fills you to the point of shining through you to the people around you and set your mind to reflecting that image rather than creating your own image. One of the greatest ways in which we can reflect the image of Christ in us is through our words. And this is perhaps uh, more obvious than we may think. There's a general principle and picture here that is, is strikingly clear to me. It's found in one word. And here's where we get the picture of us being created in the image of Christ and how we reflect that image. It starts here for us this morning. This is John chapter 1, verse 14, where John writes, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This verse is about Jesus and when he came, Jesus is referred to as the word and God could have directed John to write any word that he chose. This could have said the king became flesh or the Lord became flesh or the infinite became flesh, the omniscient became flesh, the son became flesh, the creator became flesh, but John writes that the word became flesh. This is the Greek word logos. It refers here to God in word and deed. God's wisdom and God's power all wrapped up in one person, in the person of Jesus Christ. 
Logos is used in almost every verse that I'm gonna reference today. In John 1.14, it applies to Jesus and other verses. It still refers to words, and this clearly, because of that, ties the identity of Jesus in whose image we were created to the value and the power of words. We're gonna look at what culture has to say about words, what the kingdom has to say about words, how Jesus used his words, and then some ways in which we can maybe change the way we see and use our words. Now, I don't think it's hard to see what culture has to say about words. Our culture's perspective on how we use our words can be summed up in a three-word phrase. Freedom of speech. This is our right in this country, we're free to say whatever we want. No one can muzzle us, and we're very proud of this. But with this freedom comes significant responsibility. Freedom of speech was never intended as a right to mean freedom without any sort of control or thought. This right is in many ways similar to the freedom that we were given by Jesus through what he did for us. We just sang glorious day, a classic picture of that. It's not freedom to surrender control and simply let loose. It's a freedom that was bought with a price. It's a freedom that was given to us for good purposes. It's a freedom that we can embrace for kingdom purposes. If this freedom goes unchecked, well, just look at the results of that all around us. Uh, Our kids are facing the results of unchecked freedom. It's so easy to hurt someone through the digital platform of your phone and then simply delete it as if it was never said. This freedom can cause pain. This freedom can also cause division. Opinion is a powerful weapon. Everyone's opinion counts, so everyone states their opinion. Not necessarily a bad thing, unless it's done in a cowardly manner back within the safety of our digital platform. All of us have seen the results of this kind of use of our words. So let's challenge ourselves this morning to rise above the standard for word usage that we see all around us. And I don't mean simply being less offensive than the other people that we know. I mean a deliberate choice to use our words for purposes that go beyond our own need to be heard. Once again, like the image issue, what do we want? Are we looking for the people around us to hear our words or to encounter God through our words? And you know which one I'm going to lead us to this morning. Our words have enormous potential and value. If we're moving from culture to kingdom, no matter where we are on the spectrum, where are we headed? And I mentioned spectrum because this is not a black and white issue. It's not a which side of the fence are you on issue. Are you on the culture side of the fence or the kingdom side of the fence? This is going to be um, very true in many of the conversations that we have in this series. And so um, I, I want to look at this spectrum that we'll put up here. And no matter where you are, 
no matter where I am, there's room to move. If I am way over here on this side of the spectrum, really close to culture, really heavily influenced by culture in my use of words, I have room to move in that direction. If I am way over here, really close to the kingdom perspective on words, I still have room to move because we're not going to be perfect at this, this side of heaven. There's always room for us to grow. There's always a direction for us to go. But if we're going somewhere, we need to know what that somewhere looks like. We have to have a picture of this. And thankfully, the Bible gives us a great picture of the value and power of words. Let me show you what I mean through some examples of verses that address this. We're going to look at a lot of verses this morning. Let's start in the book of Proverbs, a collection of wise sayings by Solomon and others. This is Proverbs 16, verse 24, where it says, Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. It's a great place to start, and seriously, we could end there, but the Bible says so much more. This is Proverbs 25, 11. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. What else does the kingdom show us about words? On to the book of Ecclesiastes. This is Ecclesiastes 10, 12. The words of a wise man's mouth win him favor, but the lips of a fool consume him. And then there's Ecclesiastes 12, 11. The words of the wise are like goads, and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. This is about God's words, remembering that we were created in his image. And I had forgotten what goads are, so I looked it up. Um, goads are sticks that have a little nail sticking out of the end of it, and you use them to poke animals to get them going. They're usually for livestock. Um, now, that is not a great image to have in your head, but the principle is clear about the power of words to move people, possibly from culture to kingdom. The prophets got in on this too. Here's some perspective from Isaiah. This is Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4. The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. Our words have power to comfort those who are weary. That's a kingdom application of words. They're also used for teaching. This is a word from God about our kids in Deuteronomy 6 verse 7. You shall teach them, you shall teach God's words diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. The kingdom picture of the value and power of words continued right through the Old and New Testaments. And here's just one example from Paul's writings in Ephesians 5, verse 19, where he says, a church, address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. And we could go on for quite a while doing this. The Bible's filled with words about the value and power of words. Just read the book of James sometimes. He has a, a lot to say about words. But stop and think about this before we move on. How did God choose to communicate his will to us? Well, certainly through his spirit, but he also gave us his word, the Bible. God sees the value and power of words. 
Our desire in this series is to learn to better follow our leader, Jesus, as he shows us how to move ourselves and other people from culture to kingdom. So of course we don't want to skip over the direction that Jesus gave us himself regarding words. Let's look now at the words of Jesus. What was his speech like? What value and power did his words bring? Well, his words had meaning to say the least. In Mark 13, 31, he says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. There's a lasting impact to words, our words included. While our words may pass away, their impact often lasts far beyond the time that they're spoken. In Luke 4, 22, we read about the nature of his words. This is what was said of Jesus' words early in his ministry. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And then in verse 32, another aspect of his words was mentioned. And they were astonished at his teaching for his word possessed authority. Gracious and possessing authority. Characteristics of our words as well, church as we're given the words to say by God through his spirit. John 6, 63 says this about Jesus' words. Jesus said this to his disciples. He says, the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. So if I were to speak his words directed by him to share them with others, wouldn't that mean that they still are spirit and life? Of course they have been for me. That led to a comment by his disciples about his words. Peter said in verse 68, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Then in John 7, 46, we see this statement spoken by some who were listening to Jesus and sensed the value and power of his words. They said, no one ever spoke like this man. Now let that ring in your ears for a moment. No one ever spoke like Jesus. You believe that? Would you say that no one in your life that you have ever listened to spoke like Jesus? Can you really compare what anyone has to say with the words of Jesus? His words were eternal. His words gave life. His words were gracious and filled with truth. His words were meaningful to a depth that no one else's words have ever reached. And it is in his image, the image of Jesus, that we were created. So my opinion must really matter then. Well, looking back to last week, is it really our opinion that matters? Or is it the image of Jesus reflected through us that matters? If we're truly reflecting the image of Jesus in our lives, our words will matter. Not because we have such great opinions. We are entitled to our opinions, and we have the freedom to express them, but I want us to walk through a little self-evaluation here. Answer these questions about your opinion and I'll do the same about mine. Are my opinions eternal? Are my opinions grace-filled? Are they authoritative? Do my opinions give life? Are my opinions incomparable? Do people around me state 
openly how extraordinary my opinions are. Would the people around me say of my opinions, where else would we go, Paul? You have the opinions of eternal life. Should I spend my waking hours teaching my kids my opinions? Are my opinions like honeycomb or apples of gold set in silver? Now, I'm not saying that my opinion has no value. But I am saying that my opinion is simply that. It's my opinion. And it ranks right up there with everyone else's opinion. Valuable, but merely valuable at the level that everyone else's opinion is. My words... And that's a different matter. My words have the potential to be incredibly valuable and powerful. My words have the potential to be eternally impactful, authoritative, gracious, life-giving, indispensable, a comfort, a goad, and on we could go if my words reflect the words of the one in whose image I was created. Opinions come from me and my imperfect brain. Jesus never claimed that his words were a product of his intellect. He claimed that his words were spirit. Our words can be guided by the same force that his were. We have been given by God the spirit to dwell in us. The spirit is the one who transforms us into the image of Jesus day after day. So we're back to the same step we landed on last week and that we'll land on many more times. Pray, church, for the spirit of God to fill you. This is such a critical part of our growth as followers of Jesus. Do you want to speak words that give life like Jesus' words did? Then ask God to fill you with his spirit. Let him direct your words. And he'll do it. But understand that he's not going to direct you to speak words that will make people impressed with your opinion. He's going to direct you to speak words that bring hope and comfort and life and point people to him. This is so much bigger than merely our opinions. So I get to give you homework. I don't do this often. I want you to go home and read James chapter three, verses one to 12. And then read it again. And then again until it sinks in and while you're in there, pray for your pastor, you'll see why. And then read it again. And then I want you to make a plan. I want you to go back and look at some of your recent posts on social media. I want you to look for places where you expressed your opinion. And then evaluate that opinion to see if it lines up with the picture that we've looked at this morning regarding our words. And then I want you to pick one relationship in your life where you know you could be better utilizing your words to point someone to God. What can you do to make that happen? What does that person need to hear? I pray that God gives you the courage to speak hope and encouragement and life into their life. 
And note that I didn't say speak correction. Start with grace and comfort and hope and things like that. Created in the image of God and in the process of being transformed into the likeness of his son. Do our words have value and power? How can God use them to move this generation from culture to kingdom? Well, let's go find out, church. See what God does with our words. I'm gonna invite the ushers to come now and the worship team as well. Let's pray as they do. And Father, as we come to you this morning, I thank you again for your word. I thank you for the Bible. I thank you for that one word that was written in John 1.14 that gives us the identity of Jesus Christ, your son. The word became flesh. Thank you for the way that you spoke through him through his words, through his life. And for this incredible gift that you've given us of coming to reside in us through your spirit. And I ask, Father, for a filling of your spirit for us along those lines that your words would become our word. Speak, we would see the, the value and the power of the words that come out of our mouths. Not out of sense of, of, of guilt or obligation, like we're doing it wrong and we have to do better, but just recognizing that Jesus himself ministered to so many through his words and you've given us the opportunity to do that as well. To those in our family, to those in our church, to those in our communities. I don't think there's any mistaking the the clarity of how valuable and powerful our words are. So God, shape that in us. Father, I pray for a, a good end to the weekend for our high school and middle school students and the leaders up there that you would speak. Even on the way home, you would speak to them. And it would be words that would last and impact their lives forever. And God, I lift up Monica and this ministry, the dwelling place that we've heard so much about this morning and what you're doing there. And I ask, Father, that you would keep your hand on that ministry, that you would continue to grow it, that you would continue to have an impact in the lives of the women and children that are there and that you would lead this Muslim woman to the point of surrendering her life to you and all those that come through their doors, that they would be introduced to you through the actions and through the words of those at the dwelling place and that you would create more opportunities like this, more ministries throughout our city, state, country, around the world to speak into the lives of those who are suffering. God, thank you for being here with us. Thank you for being our king and our Lord and for being that perfect image that we have and for the incredible reality that we were created in that image. Keep growing us, keep keep shaping and transforming us. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, your son, amen.